Betsy and I have just been, we have felt like we've come to a family reunion and we're getting to see relatives and brothers and sisters that we haven't seen, well, for many of you ever. And now we're getting to meet and greet and celebrate the wonderful things that God is doing here. And as we've only been able to spend a few days with you, we're very aware of the wonderful things that God is doing here. I, I was able to commend to you, I want to commend to the whole church, uh, your pastors, Keith, Peter, Pete, and Jeff, just the, the care that they are providing, the leadership they are providing, the leadership team that you have, your covenant group leaders. This is a thriving church. As a matter of fact, I... I was struck as I was hearing a little bit about the building and the adversity that you all have been through and was pondering the difference that you are making in this community simply by being faith-filled and faithful in your devotion to the Lord. And I was struck with this impression that one of the things that makes this a great church is that your lives are characterized by rising above the level of floodwaters are always songs of praise and celebration and worship and trust and thanksgiving. That your lives are characterized by whatever adversity, whatever level of floodwaters come into your life, there is awareness of a God that is above. And out of your hearts and lips have come songs of praise and worship. The difference you are making in this community, and I would also say the difference you're making in Sovereign Grace Ministries by the way that you have walked through what you've walked through, means more than you know, inspires more than you know, and is building more than you know. Faith and confidence in God's faithfulness, regardless of the circumstances. So we are here to say thank you for the way that we've been encouraged, our family of churches have been encouraged, by your simply being so faithful to the call of God on your lives and on this local church. We are indebted to you. Thank you. Before we look at a very brief text, I want to provide for you two little scenes. Now, you're going to take, it's going to take a little bit of imagination, but I want you to just track with me for two scenarios in which you are participating. The first, you're in your covenant group. You're about to sing a song of worship and praise to the Lord. You begin to sing. You're in a circle. And as you're beginning to sing, you're aware that there's a couple across from you that aren't singing. They're holding hands, but they're not singing. You're aware of another couple that is facing an incredible financial trial, and you look over, and they're just singing for joy. You're looking over, and there's a mom who's there, but her husband isn't because he's home attending to a sick child, and because she's been home all week, he sent her to the covenant group, and he's watching the little one. These are people that you know and love and are very dear to you. You look over, and there's a, a young man that's about to take a final exam tomorrow, but he's there because he wants to be with the saints before he takes a significant final exam. You look again, and there's a gal that's singing with all of her heart. Tears are running down her cheek. Then you remember that in your quiet time that, that morning, you were reading from Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear them. And you just remember that verse as you're looking around and everyone's singing. 
My question, and I don't want you to answer it out loud, but I want you to think about the answer, is what do you want to do in that moment? What, what are you, what is it that you'd like to do in response to what you're observing? You're not content to just do nothing. You want to do something. What is it that you want to do? What response do you want to give to what you've just observed? I want you to think about that. Maybe note it on your paper. We're going to come back to it. Here's the other scenario. It's a little more complex, but I want you to jump in with me and use your imagination. Let's say that right after our time together, there's going to be a luncheon for everybody upstairs. Now, this is imaginary. Don't get your hopes up. It's not going to happen, okay? This is pretend, make-believe, okay? But right afterwards, there's going to be a luncheon upstairs, and there needs to be set up. The food's all prepared because Pete, in his inimitable style, has put together a banquet, and that's all ready, but there needs to be set up. Now, the pastors have budgeted very carefully, but the last penny of this particular part of the budget is spent. There is no more money. You're checking the calendar. This is the only time that you can have this particular luncheon in the facility. So this calendar is set. Now, in the process of moving food, Peter goes upstairs. And as Pete is moving the cart of food over, he accidentally runs over Peter. (laughs) Now, in the process of trying to straighten that, the cart gets away from him and heads for those stairs. And all the food, all the food on the cart goes down the stairs and is ruined. Okay? There's a team of people that are supposed to be setting up, but there's been some need in children's ministry, so they have to all go get their children. So there's nobody setting up upstairs for the tables and the chairs. Now, we've got poor Peter that's laying on the floor probably with a broken ankle. Jeff is scrambling, trying to get people together. Keith is trying to look at the budget to figure out where we're going to get more money to do this thing. And right now, it's just chaos. No food, no setup, no serving. What is the first thing that comes to your mind to do? Don't answer me right now. But you've listened to this. You're looking at the situation. You're seeing the need. What is it that is in your heart to do? We got to do this. Well, of course, we need to do that. What is it that comes to your mind? Make note of that. We're going to come back to both of these stories. We're going to come back to the covenant group, and we're going to come back to the mess we just made. So stay with me as we do that. Meanwhile, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. If you would turn in your Bible to a very brief text as you are looking, just a little bit of background here. In Paul's letter, first letter to the Corinthians, he is talking to them about a number of things that need adjustment, a number of things that need attention, several things that need correction, one of which is their use of the spiritual gifts. He's not saying don't use them. He's just simply saying there's a better way to use them. So he, 1 Corinthians 12, you read about gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, preceding 14, is a section of scripture that we often refer to, we, we put it on a refrigerator, we put it in our wedding invitations. And 1 Corinthians 13 is a wonderful exhortation, it's a wonderful reminder, but it's also an adjustment. Because what Paul is doing is saying, here's what you've been doing, here's what you're supposed to be doing. You are acting like clanging gongs and cymbals 
But if you do that and don't have love, so 1 Corinthians 13 is certainly an exhortation, but it's also an admonition and an adjustment. And he goes from 1 Corinthians 13 talking and expounding on what love means in the local church. And then he goes on to 1 Corinthians 14, and verse 1 says, pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts, the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Word of God, exhortation directed by the Holy Spirit, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Let's pray just for a moment. Father, we are so grateful for the gospel of grace that makes you our Father and Jesus our Savior and the Holy Spirit our indwelling comforter, counselor, and guide. And Lord, we simply ask that you would visit us. You know what things we have need of, You know the condition of our souls. You know what we understand and believe and how we are applying the power that you've provided in your spirit. And we're asking that you would make known your will, that you would stir faith, that we would be prompted with humble obedience, and that, Lord, we would see transformation as truth settles on our hearts and our minds, and that we leave here eager to apply by your grace, your word. We welcome you. Lord, we have gathered in your name, and we believe you are in our midst. Help us to respond appropriately to what you say and do among us, and we give you even now glory and praise, for we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, who makes all this possible. Amen. In your introduction, you will read, as followers of Jesus Christ, born again from above and filled with the Holy Spirit, our lives should be characterized by regular experiences of God's manifest presence and power. It is his work in us that brings about transformation, and it's his activity through us that brings about edification. We're changed by his work in us. People are built up by his work through us. We have the joy of receiving God's grace and then in turn exercising our gifts in service to others. The scriptures are clear We are to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I I love Moses' exclamation in Exodus. And this is just a reminder to us. Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish us, distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Folks, a distinctive of the people of God is the active presence of God. A distinction of the people of God is the active presence of God. And we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to cover them all. We're going to talk about a few more specifically and with a little more detail. But basically, I want to give you a broad picture, a broad invitation to experience and respond to the prompting of the Spirit. Before we talk about gifts in particular, we want to talk about the giver of the gifts. Now, as I'm making points through the outline, just mark off the one or two things that you think, okay, Lord, this is what you're saying to me. Because there's a lot of material here. We said the same thing in the marriage seminar, a lot of material. I'm trusting this is not only a message that inspires today, but it becomes a resource that you can refer to in the future. So God's not asking us to apply everything that we hear all at once, but what we do hear Him say to us, make notation of it. 
Number one, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Letter A, we are to be filled with the Spirit. How often do we make that a part of our times alone with God where we're asking for guidance, asking for provision, asking for strength, asking for grace, wisdom? Ask, Lord, please fill me with your Spirit. Now, I don't know all of how that works. I don't know how this clay pot is indwelt by the divine Spirit of the living God. But that's what God says happens, and I believe that. And God says, be filled. So we ask him, Lord, fill me with your spirit. There should be a sense of an abiding presence. Be in fellowship with the spirit. We do pray to the Father. We pray to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray and ask the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, guide us into truth, teach us all things. That's what he does. That's what he was sent to do. So there should be an awareness of and a communion with the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. We need guidance. We need wisdom. We need direction. So we simply say, Lord, lead me by your Spirit into your perfect will or into the wisdom that I need for this situation. And then we are to pursue love and desire the gifts of the Spirit. And it's not a selfish thing to say, Lord, give me gifts that bring you glory and bring my brothers and sisters good. So there is a relationship. We know the love of the Father. We know the grace of the Savior. There's to be a communion with the Holy Spirit that should be a dynamic and active and consistent part of our walk with the living God. One of the things I loved about our experience here, having only been here maybe 48 hours, is there is an activity of the Spirit that's going on all around in this local church. When we came in, there were greeters. Someone set up everything that's going on here. Administration took place, leadership took place, hospitality and greeting took place, serving took place, care, people are caring for the children are taking place. There, there are things going on all over the place because people are responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the presence of God, we're talking about the promise of God, it leads us to the commandments of God and brings us to the power of God, the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is with us. The promises of God. How do I respond? How do I even understand the Bible? When you say God spoke to me, the Holy Spirit, the promises of God, the commandments of God, how do we know how to live the Christian life? It's because we look at the Word of God inspired by the living God, inspired by the Spirit, and we're prompted to obey. And then the power of God, the fact that we live the Christian life, the fact that we obeyed God this morning, the Holy Spirit is at work within us. Let's talk about the purpose and priority of the gifts of the Spirit. Letter A, the purpose of the gifts. Wayne Grudem describes spiritual gifts this way, any ability, any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Any ability that is empowered by the Spirit and is used in any ministry of the church. When you read the Scripture and it lists the gifts of the Spirit, that's not an exhaustive list. That's a representative list of the many ways in which God moves through His people for the building up of His people. When you look at the particular list, it's, it's a representation of the innumerable ways that the Spirit of God imparts grace and burden and desire and ability so that you can use whatever it is he's given you to build up your brothers and sisters as well as to witness to an unbelieving world. 
In the paragraph, we must be clear and convinced from Scripture about the vital purpose of spiritual gifts in the lives of people individually and the church corporately. One of the things I'm after here is an impartation of faith and direction to the truth of the Word of God that leads you with a conviction that, yes, God's activity in me is supposed to be manifested through me so that my brothers and sisters are built up. It's that conviction that will inspire us to faith, obedience, and consistency in exercising gifts, and it is that conviction that will provoke others to love and good works. So the question I have for you is, does God want to use you to reflect his glory, the work of Christ in you? Does he want to use you to serve, edify, and build up your brothers and sisters? And while you're thinking about the answer, the answer is yes. He does. There's not a man and woman in this room that has, if you are born again by the Spirit, then you are also endued with the Spirit, and you are empowered by the Spirit to bring glory to Jesus Christ by serving your brothers and sisters. That's the fact of the matter. And I'm trusting that by the time we're done, you are going to be eager for some experience of that leads to an expression of the love of God to your brothers and sisters. The t- Bible tells us that spiritual gifts are for the common good, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Everyone's to benefit. And as I said, blessings abound this morning. How many ways have you been blessed and encouraged, ministered to, and needs met, just walking into the, driving onto this lot, sitting in this building? They're given for the common good. They're given to serve others. Now, if you're not sure what it is that God is calling you to do and how he's gifted you, look for a way to serve. Serving begins to expose what you're good at. It's also helped me to see what I'm not good at. There are certain things that I say, oh, yeah, I want to do that. And after a few weeks of experience, the team leader says, I'm not sure that's where you ought to serve. But I wouldn't know that without at least taking some step of experimental faith, if you will. They're given to serve others. They're to be exercised as an expression of love. How do we communicate our love for one another? Well, we, the first answer is usually we pray for one another, we serve one another. But think of all the ways, whether it's preparing food or babysitting or praying or visiting in the hospital, all the ways that we communicate our love for one another's brothers and sisters. Let's not too quickly separate that from the active presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And when we do serve, it's not for our own or self-aggrandizement. It's to communicate the love of God to others to be exercised as an expression of love. They're exercised to build up the church. As long as the church needs to be built up, we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When the Lord comes back, we won't need the gifts of the Spirit. We'll have the Lord. But meanwhile, we have the risen Savior sending his Spirit to continually reveal his love and grace and power to us and through us. And the reason, one of the reasons we do, we exercise the gifts of the Spirit is to reveal to others, God is with us. My changed life, your changed life, the things that you are now doing on behalf of the glory of God, you would have never done before. How did that happen? Because God invaded your life, saved you from sin, redeemed you, set you at his banqueting table, filled you with his Spirit, and imparted some grace that seems very natural to you, but boy, is it blessing your brothers and sisters. It can evangelize the unbelieving. Prophetic words can make 
unbelievers aware God is in this place and he's going after the thoughts and intents of my heart. But not just prophetic gifts. Someone walking into this auditorium as a guest and watching the love and the joy and the attention to and the giving of selves to one another, it provokes, it makes them aware God is here evangelizing. It's given that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Gifts point to the giver. I'll probably reference this again. When we, when we heard Patrice come to the microphone and just share a wonderfully encouraging word, I'm sure people were very grateful that Patrice came and shared, but when she was done, we were aware of God is aware of us. God is near to us. God speaks to us through his word. It's given that God may be glorified, that it reminds us. Those gifts remind us that God is aware of us. Somebody brings food as a gift, makes a meal. God is aware of us. God is near to us. We drew together. We're hearing God's word. We sang songs, but then God speaks to one of his daughters, and she comes to the microphone. God is near to us, and God is actively involved. The purpose and priority of the gifts. I trust that that provokes us. How do, it's to build up. It's to love and to serve. The priority of the gifts, because the gifts are a priority in scripture, they must be a priority in the church. We must be growing in new and fresh experiences of the Holy Spirit. Number one, we are not to be uninformed. We are not to be ignorant. That means, if the Bible says, I do not want you to be uninformed, I do not want you to be ignorant, that means we're going to have to do some reading, some study, going through the book of 1 Corinthians, going to the bookstore, asking for suggestions about what, can, what resource can I use to begin to become more aware of this matter of the gifts. To be earnestly desired. You're going to hear that probably a hundred times this morning desiring the gifts of the Spirit. They are to be desired. And folks, in light of God's love to us, ponder the cross, ponder God's redemptive love, ponder his transforming grace. The appropriate response is, Lord, how do I love in return? I love in worship and obedience to the Lord, but I love by serving his bride, the church, his children, his body, that is to be a priority. And I know that when, when Keith was referencing those in covenant groups, those not, that wasn't to put anybody on the spot. It's just simply say, there's an opportunity. There's an invitation to participate. We are members of one another. We are joints of supply to one another. And folks, if we're not connected, somebody's being deprived of the grace of God because you're supposed to be there. No pressure, but get there. <laughs> because you are a family. And families do things together. And maybe there's circumstances and things you need to talk about. I just want to say, God has so much through you as well as to you. And it's the participating in the context that God has provided in this local church that that's going to happen in this case. Covenant groups, upon, above, up, I'm sure, among many other contexts, like your ministry teams. Gifts are given to each one. Everyone born again is endued with the grace of God, the gift of God, for the purpose of edifying the people of God. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, well, I have no idea what that is. We're going to get to that. But let's start with the fact that the Bible says 
to each one is given. So every one of us have been a recipient, whether we're just keeping the package wrapped and not untied or not. The gift has been given. To given to each one. Now this is going to be a matter of faith. It's going to be a matter of stewardship. If God has given you something for his glory and the good of others, our holding on to it is not good stewardship. Where can I serve? How can I minister? It's given by the Holy Spirit. These aren't, this isn't my, teaching isn't my gift, it's God's gift through which he meets and blesses his people. Now, if I believe that that's something he's called me to do, then there is a stewardship issue. But it's still a gift that God gives. So the issue for me is not, where can I be most happy by doing and and participating in my gift. No, it's where can I deploy the gift of God for the glory of God, not mine, and for the building up of the church, given by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's continual representation of the love of Jesus Christ to his church. He ascended, sent his Spirit to reveal and to do his works, but how does he do that now? He does that through his people. He does that through his church, given by the Spirit and given as he wills. Now, one of the things that this verse helps me with is four things it keeps me from. You can make note of this. Because they're given by God as he wills, it keeps me from comparison. Why can't I do that? My gifts. I wish I could do that the way you do that. It keeps me from competition. Oh, she prophesied. I got to get up to the microphone because... I want to make sure people know I'm gifted as well. Complaining. Lord, I want to do that. Well, you try to do that, and you can't do that, so stop complaining and do what I've given you grace to do. And it keeps me from boasting. Folks, if God is using you, glory to God, but glory to God and not to us. So not recognizing that they're given as he wills keeps me from comparing, competing, complaining, and from boasting. The church is built up as each part does its work. And the question to simply ask is, what role am I to play in this local church? What role am I to play? What responsibility can I assume? What role can I play? What responsibility can I assume? What burden can I bear? Role to play, responsibility to assume. What burden can I bear? What encouragement can I offer? What encouragement can I offer? What need can I meet? Role, responsibility, burden, encouragement. What need can I meet? You are a thriving church because many, many members are doing their part. Take away all the serving that is taking place. Take away the activity of the Spirit. We have an empty room if we have a facility at all. And we are totally devoid of and deprived of all that God has done wonderfully in the past number of years in this local church. Each part is doing its work. Gifts are to be expected and exercised whenever you come together. 
I love what Keith said. It's not just what happens here, although the gifts and activity of the Spirit is pervasive. But there is so much going on outside that we're probably unaware of because we're not connecting the fact that what I love to do could simply be a manifestation of the Spirit of God empowering me, enabling me, making me aware of ways to bless and serve. They're to be expected and exercised whenever you come together. Whatever the occasion, you go to your covenant group, you're preparing to go. If, and maybe you're late, you're running behind, you're thinking, Gary, the last thing on my mind is, is some prophetic word. I'm just glad to get out of the house, get the babysitter in place, and not have a conflict with my wife on the way, or not be thinking about the final exam, or whatever it is that might be. But once you walk in that door, there should be just that sense, Lord, we're gathering in your name, you're here, I expect something. I should be surprised if we don't experience something because we're here in your name and you're in our midst and you love your people. You come into this auditorium. You marvel at the fact that you are in a local church that has been ravaged by natural disaster, has had to undergo major changes. Many close friends had to relocate, couldn't come back. But you're sitting here overwhelmed with an awareness of God's goodness and your heart is overflowing with love for this group of people. The next question is, Lord, how can I show it? What expression can I give to your love for me as expressed by the love that I'm lavished uh, upon by the love of these people? And you just say, Lord, I, I want to be used in some way. They are to be stirred, kindled, and fanned into flame. How do I do that? It's just simply asking God. Lord, stir the, I'm not sure what the gifts are, but stir something in me that enables me to respond to your love by communicating to these folks, God is near. God is aware of you. God is near. God is, aware, uh, is, is participating in what's going on with you. God knows the burden you're bearing, the suffering that you're enduring. God knows the celebration of, of a blessing or provision. Just letting folks know. They are to be a priority. I know, I'm, as we've experienced in, in so many of your lives, they are a priority because you're being faithful. I want you to enjoy the, the wonder of the fact that what you're doing is God's work, God's indwelling presence, making himself known to your brothers and sisters. The practice of the gifts. We must learn to discern and respond to the prompting of the Spirit and to his activity in the lives of others. This begins not in the midst of activity of meetings, but in times of solitude. By pursuing the spiritual disciplines in an attitude of humility, adoration, and confident desperation, we learn to distinguish his voice and grow in our confidence that he will give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and specific steps to take. We must learn to hear his voice in the quiet if we ever hope to hear him amid the clamor. And folks, I am not talking about hours of solitude where we are just, unless we're waiting for God and an audible voice to say what we're supposed to do next. We're just simply saying a disposition of heart that says, Lord, I believe you want to use me. Please fill me. And when we get to the gathering of folks, whether it's in the, the, the Sunday meeting or, or covenant group, that you're going to speak to me. Give me ears to hear. Is there anybody? Just run an exercise before covenant group. Just run through the names of the people in the group. Pray for them by name. It'll take you a minute. 
Just pray for them by name. You don't even have to ask for anything. Just, Lord, bless each couple, each individual, each single, each young man or woman. And then just ask, Lord, as I'm praying that you bless them, is there anything that you have through me for them? One of the other points I'm trying to make, among many, is this isn't complicated. Don't let it get complicated. Don't let it get spooky. Don't let it get creepy, you know, because you're sitting there. Was that a word? I don't know. Was that a word? I don't, I'm not sure. I think I'm supposed to share that. Maybe I'm not supposed to share that. I'm sitting in a restaurant, and Keith said the gifts are moving, and maybe that's how I'll know what to pick off the menu. And it, it's... <laughs> don't go there, okay? Just let's keep this very simple. We're simply asking, believing that God hears and God will answer. Well, how does God speak to us? Gary, you seem pretty confident that we're going to hear and act and obey. Yes, I am. Disciples, sheep, must live a life of listening. Jesus said that we would hear his voice and follow him. My sheep hear my voice. And I think we all know that. We pray, we ask for guidance, we ask for provision, and we take a step and we just we come to covenant group and say, you know, I believe the Lord was directing me to do this. Or I, I ask for counsel and I think the Lord's leading us as a family or me in college or, or, or me in my career or me with my family. We have no problem saying that God speaks to us. That's how we know his will, from his word first and foremost. But we pray. Will God speak to us? God will speak to us. And I, three dispositions of heart. More lists. Faith. When you go to the scripture, when you go to pray, you believe that God's going to speak. Humility. I'm not going to do this perfectly. Let's settle that now. I may not be perfect. I may get part of this wrong. We settle that up front and recognize that it's going to be the case because nobody does anything perfectly. That will free us to take steps of faith in the Spirit. So faith, humility, and desire to love our brothers and sisters. Three dispositions, faith, humility, love. Now, how does God speak? Well, first of all, he speaks through Scripture. Now, there's a uniqueness to God's authority in the scripture. Unlike any other gift, any other word, there's nothing that compares to the, the revealed will of God through the scripture, the holy, divine, inspired, inerrant, sufficient word of God. That's the basis for our faith and practice. But he speaks. You're reading your Bible and you share in covenant group. Hey, God showed me. God encouraged me. Well, that's how he speaks to us. He speaks through preaching and teaching. On a Sunday meeting, you're taking notes, but very often you don't write down everything, but there are some things that you write down because you think, oh boy, that affects me, that encourages me, that convicts me. What is that? It's how God speaks to us. Worship, we're singing songs of praise and adoration, and we're singing about how deep the Father's love for us, and suddenly tears fill our eyes, we think, I know who I am, and he loves me anyway. And suddenly we're spoken to by the Holy Spirit to remind us of the love of the Father. He speaks in fellowship. You're having a conversation. You're asking for counsel. Somebody gives you wisdom that you didn't have. And you've just heard God's voice. Oh, that's good. That's how I'll, that's how I'll handle that. He speaks to us through reading almost anything. Because if we're attuned, God, I mean, I've read, 
I love hist reading history, uh, certainly the scripture and books that are theologically and doctrinally informed, reading a biography about Abraham Lincoln, and God is reminding me that this man led through adversity. Now, how do you respond to adversity? And I'm provoked by that, or I, I can read a biography of Walt Disney and his love for his kids and how his parks were a result of his wanting to spend more creative time with his kids, and I think, how am I communicating com creative love for my kids? And it's just, it's just a question but reading anything, if we're listening. Meditating. Okay, you ponder. Okay, I know and believe the love that God has for me. You know what? I've been questioning God's love because work is really hard right now. The kids are really challenged. Or I'm, I'm praying about a relationship and it's not working out. And, but you, you, you sit and you think about what God has to say and you realize faith comes. He speaks through prayer. You ask and you hear and he answers. Prophecy and the other gifts of the Spirit. We heard that this morning through Patrice, that, that God speaks to us, waiting, just being still and knowing that he is God. God will speak to us. Activity in daily life. You watch something happen. You, you watch a decision being made. Uh, you watch construction going up, whatever the case might be. And I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm going to repeat something I said earlier. I'm not saying that every moment is to lead to fear because I don't want to miss the spirit. Okay, Gary said construction. There's construction. What's, what's God doing there? And I, It's just a posture of listening. If he says something, fine. If he doesn't, fine. But you'll know when he does. Creation. God will speak through creation. I remember we were at a pastor's retreat, and we were in this large room out in the woods of West Virginia, and I was looking out, and it was the autumn, so the leaves were off the trees. So as I was sitting there looking about out there, I thought, you know what? I can see all the way across this particular cluster of trees because the leaves are gone. And in the moment, I felt like the Lord was saying, that's what I have for you in this retreat. Just like trees who allow all their leaves to fall away and all that is encumbering them and filling up the branches, God allows a season where that goes to the ground and because they go to the ground, you can see more clearly. So the Lord is saying as a pastoral team, you put all the burdens down, get everything off the branches and I'm gonna give you a vision to see more clearly for the next direction for the church. I was looking at trees and you may be sitting there looking at something and you're just impressed with, that is amazing or I wonder if, and, but it doesn't go any further because you're not connecting it to the fact that God's with you. God may have something more for you. So God speaks through these many means. How will I receive or give a word from the Lord? What form will it take? We rarely have the luxury of having a complete and detailed message when we begin to, begin to pray or minister in the Spirit. That's why it's called Steps of Faith. We should have the confidence, however, that, and this is so critical, if we ask for a fish, he will not give us a snake instead. And if we, though we are evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? Let's say you're going to covenant group and you've been some way helped by this, this message. And so you're going into the covenant group and you feel like, I think, I think this is a word for the group. I think God wants to encourage them. And then you're thinking, well... Of course he wants to encourage them. This must not be a gift. I mean, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? And it's not really spiritual, and it just seems rather obvious. And so you don't say anything. And the group that could have been encouraged 
by that brief and obvious word is deprived because we're second-guessing and double-minded. God, if we ask for the gifts, God is going to give us the gifts. All right, how does the word come? Well, a scripture verse or passage. You may go to someone who's serving in obscurity and they don't get a lot of prominence and you just go up to them and you read something like Hebrews 6.10. God is not unfaithful to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name and you've ministered to the saints and you still minister. God is not unfaithful to forget. Others may not say God is not. And that's all you say. That's all I've got, just that verse. And then you watch the response of and every one of us, I would say almost every one of us in this room knows the blessing of somebody saying, you know what, I prayed for you. God put you on my heart. I think God wants to use you in this way, whatever the case might be. It could just be a phrase. You're praying for someone and you're thinking about the, the, the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's a phrase in a song. And you just walk up to your brother and say, I believe in the midst of what you're going on, what's going on in your life. The Lord just wants to bring you peace to know that he is aware and he is involved. It could be a word. It could be a particular word. Uh, a couple of years ago, in the pastor's college, uh, we had a group of folks from the sister church at, in Philadelphia, Covenant Fellowship. They have a team of folks who are very gifted prophetically, and they come down every year and pray for the students in the pastor's college. And they began to pray for this couple. At the very beginning, they don't know any details. All they know is names and faces. And they said, we believe we're supposed to pray for a couple that has a very sick child. And when the couple went to raise their hand, the, the, one of the gals immediately said, yes, I thought it was you. Come on up. So they came up. And they began to pray. And this, girl, this little girl, they, they had no details. But they began to pray because the child was very sick. And they said, look, we want you to know God is not going to allow you to lose hope in this. You will always have hope. Do not lose hope because God will not let you lose hope. Little girl's name? Hope. And we were sobbing, <laughs> watching. And that's all they had was a word. They didn't know what was going on. But to this couple, God had invaded their hearts with an assurance of their little girl. The little girl's still alive. Little girl is very much a part of this family. Just a word. That's all they started with. It could be a statement. God knows. A picture or an image. My wife Betsy gets pictures. I mean, she's standing there talking to people, and it's very ironic because she'll see these technicolor pictures. Now, Betsy loves words, and I majored in art. I get words, she gets pictures, and I still don't get it. So I got to go back to the part about complaining, comparing, and competing, and blah, blah, blah. But she gets these pictures, and she'll just be standing there talking. So I see this, and that's how God uses her. It could be a song. Now, this is a measure of gift thing. I don't do songs. Now, if I start singing, that's not a gift. That, well, that is a gift. That's a miracle. Okay, so we're, we're into another gift. But, but what is your measure of gift? So there may be some of you who are gifted in song. And your communication of God's love for people needs to be sung in your covenant group. Maybe even here. Don't want to put any pressure on you, but be listening. It's a wonderful, you know how music affects you. And God puts a song. It might be the lyrics from a song you know. It might be a song that God gives you on the spot. Something very brief that communicates his care. 
It might be an unknown tongue and interpretation. We don't have time to go into details, but God speaks through unknown tongues. And then someone else brings an interpretation of what's going on. Not common, but it's very much a gift that's in the Bible where somehow we communicate something we don't understand, but God is using it to bring some word of encouragement or exhortation to his church. It could be a prayer. You just go up to somebody and start praying. I feel prompted to pray for this for you. How did you know to do that? Because there was a sudden revelation in your heart of that person and their need, and God just says pray. And sometimes more comes through prayer. We were at a conference. CJ had invited a bunch of folks to come forward for prayer. And I was kind of standing on the periphery. And he said, Gary, why aren't you praying for folks? I said, I don't feel like the Lord's given me anything quite yet. And he said, you start praying, God will speak. And sure enough, just start praying. Ask, I didn't know what to ask, so Lord, please send your spirit to show us how to pray. Send your spirit to bless my brother. And then in the midst of that, I began to pray for things that I think were just prompted by the spirit to pray. It could be a name. You walk into the covenant group, you walk into the Sunday meeting, and somebody's name comes to mind. Hey, I wonder how he's doing. I wonder how she's doing. I wonder how they're doing. That's all you have is a name. But that may be all the prompting you need to go to that person, find that person, and say, God put you in my heart. What's going on? How can I pray for you? Now, if this sounds very simple, it's because it is. God wants to reveal himself through his church, and he does that through his people. There's a few items here about the gift of prophecy and prophetic ministry. We've talked about the purpose, uh, the person prophesying, the proven character, the motive is to love and serve a relationship. Uh, I'm, you know, when you come to the microphone, you can be pretty sure that because Peter's here or whoever else is here, that it's someone that's known, that someone is, is, has shared something that has been proven and reviewed by the pastors. Prophetic ministry is going to be consistent with scripture, consistent with leadership, consistent with prescribed order. In other words, we're not going to uh, come out with a prophetic word in the midst of the teaching and preaching. The leadership has determined as they've prayed and sought the direction of the spirit that this is the way things are going to go, and consistent with the measure of gift. If you've never shared a prophetic word, the place to start is probably at home with your family. And our family should hear a lot more of what we believe God is saying about our family. So let's step out in faith there, our covenant group, not necessarily here. Personal directive prophecy. Prophetic words are not a substitute for scripture. Prophetic words are not a substitute for prayer. They're not a substitute for spiritual authority, clearly defined relationships, and a multitude of godly and mature counsel. In other words, I don't start making life changes that are contrary to scripture, contrary to my relationship with my wife, or contrary to the counsel that I'm receiving from the pastors. Personal prophecy usually confirms rather than directs or predicts. Our authority is confined to calling individuals to obey scripture. I cannot go to you with a prophetic word and say, God wants you to do this. Now, I can open the Bible and say, God wants you to love your wife, or God wants you to desire the gifts. Our authority is confined to scripture, a word involving specific direction for an individual should probably go to the pastors first. If you feel like God is going to use somebody or, or relocate somebody or has a significant life experience, you should probably run that by a pastor. Life decisions should never be made on the basis of prophecy alone. Now, in ministering to others, we've already referenced this, be alert to opportunities. 
I love the fact when I read through the Gospels, so much of what Jesus did was on his way to do something else. He was on his way from the beginning to the end to go to Jerusalem, to be crucified. But he was always on his way someplace, but it was on the way someplace that he was interrupted by a blind man or a, a, a woman or a, a, a father grieving. But he stopped because he was attentive on the way. We are busy people. We are rushing to get in here on Sunday. We've got to get to the covenant group. We've got to get to work. We've got to get to the kids or wherever they got to go. But on the way, let's not be so aware of the destination that we forget that there is a lot that could happen on the journey. God wants to speak to us. The general procedure for prayer, that's self-explanatory. Just go ahead and read through that. Uh, and I would encourage your covenant group leaders just to run through that exercise. You want to pray for somebody in the covenant group? It's a very, very simple process. You simply go, you ask the Spirit to come, you share what's on your heart. When you're done sharing what's on your heart, you stop. <laughs> and then God, it's up to God to do with whatever he wills with that word. Let's talk a little bit about getting started and stepping out on the gifts. We've said this repeatedly. Pursue love. I'm, Lord, I'm, I'm meeting with family and friends. I'm going out to lunch with a brother or sister. I'm going to my covenant group. I'm going uh, to a luncheon at the building. I'm going to the Sunday meeting. How can I prepare my heart to bring you glory, to bring good to my brothers and sisters? So, Lord, fill me with your love for my church. Resist fear. Aha. Easier said than done, is it not? Because you're thinking, I don't want to make a mistake, and I don't want to mislead somebody, and I don't want to sound stupid, and I, I don't want them going to say, you're not going to believe what he said to me. And, but folks, love is what casts out fear. And if there have been times where people have prayed for me or, or brought a prophetic word to me, and I thought, I don't really get that. I don't understand that, and it might not have even been fulfilled. The thing that affected me is they sought God and thought of me and wanted to pray for me. Don't minimize the difference that makes in the heart of a brother or sister that you went and just said, I believe God wants you to be aware. He loves you. Resist pride. Don't try to be impressive. Let's get this straight. We're not impressive. Okay, let's settle that right now. Look around. We're not impressive people. So don't try to be with how you sound or how you say or how you pray. Just be you because you don't want your brother or sister saying, who are you? you know? <laughs> Resist pride. Expect God to use you. Lean forward. When we come into a gathering like this, the disposition should be a leaning forward. Lord, who, who do you want to bless? Who do you want to meet? Who do you want to encourage? So that the slightest breath of the Spirit, you're prompted to take a step of faith. Don't be sitting in your seat, buckled in, seat belt, and it's going to take a gale force wind to get you to say anything of encouragement to your brother and sister. Be leaning forward. Give a brief introduction. Don't start with, thus says the Lord. Now, if you do that, praise God, and, and I appreciate that kind of fashion, that kind of faith, and that kind of passion. But often for me, it's as I was praying, as I was waiting on the Lord, as I was reading Scripture. I believe God gave me this. Present your thought as an impression or a feeling. I believe the Lord wants us to know. I believe the Lord wants to do this in our midst. I sense the Holy Spirit is saying. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's simply informing 
what others of what God has revealed to you. And when I say revealed, I'm not talking about revelation in the sense of the canon of Scripture, but prophecy is something revealed by God, usually suddenly, clearly, briefly, that you didn't know about, you weren't thinking about, but he wants you to share it because he's aware of the person that you're about to speak to, and he wants them to be aware of himself. Check with someone in leadership if you're not sure. Ask a question. You're in your covenant group. Is anyone struggling with fear? Is anyone struggling with sickness? And then you're faced with that deafening silence where nobody raises your hand. You just go, well, I didn't think so either. And, you, you know, so <laughs> that happens. Write it down. I noticed that Patrice had written out what she said. It was very natural. It was very passionate. It was very compassionate. But she wrote it down. Encourage others. When you see folks stepping out, encourage them for stepping out. Don't limit God. We are limited. God is not. Ask for whatever the situation requires. Folks, we're clay pots. God can pour whatever treasure in or whatever treasure out. He chooses. So if God is beginning to use you more, say, in the gift of administration, but your brother comes up to you and says, you know, I'm really sick. Can you pray for me? You don't go, I'm administration. Praying for the sick is down the row. If he, and he's not even here today, so if you come back next Sunday, maybe the gift of healing can make its way into your sick body. You don't. If the need is healing, ask for the gift of healing. Leadership, finances. I believe, now, I believe the way that God has blessed you folks in getting this facility is I think God stirred faith in your hearts, giving in your hearts, serving in your hearts, and in, in, magnificent ways, beyond what you ever thought he could do. I never thought I could give that much. I never thought I could serve that much. And lo and behold, you did, and here we sit. Because there was a need, and God moved through his people and stirred faith and generosity and giving and sacrifice and serving so that you could be built up and enjoy what you are enjoying. Don't limit God. Be willing to make a mistake. Sunday meeting, I talked to the guy leading worship, and I said, I believe the Lord's given me something. And uh, I said, but I'll let you know. So during worship, or during singing, he motions me over. And at this point, I'm thinking, I don't think so. This is, this is not for now. So I'm shaking my head. And he's going, yes, you should come out. And then I realized, okay, maybe he's aware of something in the meeting I'm not aware of. So uh, I'll respond. So I go out. I take the microphone. I'm standing in a crowd like this. I say about a sentence or two. And I go, I'm sorry. This is not for now. And I hand him the mic, and he's you know, somewhat shocked, and I just go back and sit with the other pastors. I made a mistake. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't fatal. People came back the next Sunday, but I learned something. <laughs> I learned that I can make mistakes, and God is gracious. Be willing to make a state mistake. Ask for evaluation. One of the things that I was been addressed about in prophetic words is I can get very long-winded. Some of you were at the marriage seminar, sampled that yesterday. I get very long-winded. So I'd be prophesied, I'd share a word that I thought was prophetic. But because I'm a pastor, I want to pastor them through the application. I want to give a little teaching on the verse that I'm sharing. So this thing is going on and on forever. And I remember one Sunday after a message, I had shared something, and uh, John Loftus, very dear friend, was thanking me for stepping out. He put his arm around my shoulder, and he said, Gary, that was a great word that you shared all three times that you shared it. Because I just kept repeating myself. 
I want to be a steward, and I'm going to have to make mistakes to do that. Stir the gifts and look for the next opportunity. All right, very quickly. At the very beginning of our time together, I mentioned two scenarios. Okay, you're in your covenant group. Okay, let's, we're going to be transferred back to our covenant group. You're making all these observations. How many of you thought, I want to ask the leader if we can pray for somebody? How many of you thought that? Okay. How many of you went over to pray for somebody? You want to just go pray for them. How many of you wanted to share the verse of scripture that God had given you? How many of you just wanted to do something different than what I've just mentioned? Okay. Okay. Other hands. What was that? Why all different? Why not everybody the same thing? Because God gave different gifts to different people. Maybe the person with the word has a gift of teaching or the, or the scripture. Maybe the person that is weeping with those who weep has a gift of compassion, a gift of mercy. Maybe the person that wants to go over and start praying has a gift of prophecy. Folks, your response to that situation may, may not, but is probably an indication of how God wants to use you. He makes you aware of things that he didn't make others aware of. And that's why you wanted to respond the way you responded. Let's go to the mess we made upstairs and downstairs, okay? We have all this crisis going on. How many of you thought to pray for the injured pastor? Okay, good. (laughs) Two, two is better than none. Two is better than none. How many of you wanted to clean up the mess? How many of you wanted to organize help? Okay. How many of you wanted to buy food? How many of you wanted to prepare food? Come on, Pete, where are you? Uh, Okay. Uh, How many of you thought about doing something other than what was just shared? Okay. Now, we just rattled off maybe a half a dozen ways to be used, and there are others. We just saw mercy, faith, administration, leadership, serving, sacrifice, fill in the blank. Why did everybody not see the same thing? Now, you may say, well, Gary, of course, somebody's got to clean up the mess. Isn't that obvious? Wasn't obvious to the person who went out to buy groceries. (laughs) Person buying groceries didn't stop to clean up the mess. What is that? Is that, it's just the way God uses us. He stirs generosity, he stirs faith, he stirs compassion. And folks, that's how this church has been built. You all aren't doing the same thing, but that gift was revealed in the opportunity and need. And so many people did so many different things, and the church was built up, and the need was met, and the luncheon took place, and Peter eventually got healed. Folks, God is so present and active in this church. There's more he wants to do. The way he's going to do it is by every man and woman, young and old, simply eagerly desiring. So my my appeal to you, my encouragement to you, this has not been intended to be an admonition. It's really a commendation, and it's an invitation. So that we might bring glory to God in this local church so that we can express the power of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, in our midst. 
so we can build up the church, so that we can witness to an unbelieving but very attentive watching world, and so that we can display our love for our brothers and sisters. Let us be faithful to fervently, earnestly, and eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the precious gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we have redemption, forgiveness, cleansing, adoption. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of the Spirit who makes known all that you've done for us and is changing us. Thank you for your word that inspires faith, renews our minds, and by your Spirit changes us. And Lord, I do pray for a visitation of your Spirit on this church that every man and woman, young and old, would be filled with faith and an eagerness to bring you glory and blessing to their brothers and sisters. Or those who aren't yet in a covenant group, just make their, help them to make their way to the place that you've set them in the church. And Lord, we do pray that in the days, weeks, years to come, there will be report after report, testimony after testimony of how you brought glory to your name and good to this church through the gifts of the Spirit and the proper working of every part. And we thank you in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, was it just me or was that uniquely timely for us? I mean, that was just great. And we, we have been, we've, we've been blessed through the years to, to be led by gifted, effective leaders, pastors who have effectively communicated God's word to us. Um, but let me just say this, because where we are right now as a church, we, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't need necessarily just another theological teaching on the Holy Spirit. We, we needed flesh on bones and and Gary just there's there's just few folks that are gifted like you to do that I mean that's what you did for us with the marriage conference so this was just God's sovereignly ordained timing so I repent of all the times I've harassed you about coming to New Orleans this was the time for you to thank you thank you for that forgiveness <laughs> uh, I, I want us to do two things in, in closing um the first thing I want to do just has to do with everybody who was just standing up just a moment ago. Uh, what, what we have felt for some time, the reason why we did the series starting last fall, uh, and recognizing that we get in motion sometimes in our bad habits, our ways of doing things, and, and one message doesn't fix us. Two messages don't fix us. A month or two of study doesn't fix us. So the messages we began back in the fall and went into the spring, continuing and being excited about Gary being here, uh, were intended to give way to a study that we're going to begin in the next couple of months, maybe not that quite that far away right now. Under that umbrella, that phrase I keep using, a new normal. And we will be studying through the book of Acts uh, in pursuit of what God calls normal. We're just trying to find normal. We don't want to impose our normal on God or on the Christian life. We, we want to make sure we're living the normal life. And so could I, could I do this? I'm going to impose on Gary one more time. He's got a microphone still on. Can you guys make sure he's got juice here to, to pray for us? Can I ask everybody that was standing a few moments ago, if you would stand. And, and 
all those who really who are here who are saying, you know what, that, I want to be part of all that God's about to do in our midst. I want to step out in faith. I want to be used. I, I want to put these things to use. I want the days ahead to be days where God establishes a new normalcy for the activity of his spirit in our lives. And that's got to start with me as an individual and spill out into the church as a whole. So I'm going to ask Gary just if he would just from where he is there, if he'd just click his mic on and just pray for us for the days ahead as God leads us through that teaching. Let's pray. Father, you have revealed yourself in so many ways over the years to this local church. You have blessed it with leadership. You have blessed it with faith. You've blessed this church with perseverance, resources and means, grace to overcome adversity. Lord, you have knit this church together. You have knit hearts together in love. And Father, I simply pray for every person standing that there would be, first of all, a fresh reminder of your love for them. You know them by name. They are not simply standing in a crowd. They have your eye and your attention and your ear. And Lord, I now pray that they would know the touch of your spirit, reminding them of love, reminding them of the gospel, reminding them of the cross, And now, Lord, fill their heart to overflowing with a desire to give expression and response and blessing to others as a result of the manifold grace of God that has been lavished upon them. Father, I ask that you would stir gifts of healing. Lord, those who weep when they hear of affliction and suffering, that there would be faith to simply come alongside and lay hands and pray. Lord, I ask for a stirring of the gift of prophecy where people would just be prompted with a thought or a word or in a slight impression to speak to a brother or sister without fear, without double-mindedness, but simply because they are compelled to communicate the love of God. Lord, I pray in the lives of young men for a gift of leadership that they would see the world for the imposter that it is and would want to be filled with grace and faith to lead in the local church for the building up of the body of Christ and the future of this church that would say, I want to be trained to lead. I want to be equipped to serve. Stir gifts of leadership. Father, I pray that you would stir gifts of faith so that when people look at the insurmountable and the impossible, they would say, that seems true, but there is a God who is greater and can pray for restoration of marriages and restoration of wayward children and can believe God for resources and finances. Father, I pray for the gift of giving, that people would be able to, with with ways that almost make them laugh, say, I just want to give. I just want to bless. Lord, I do pray that there would be multitudes of gifts of serving. People aren't eager to be noticed, not interested in being recognized. They just want to meet a need. 
They want to move the chair, set up the table, visit, come alongside, help with the task. And Lord, all the other ways that you're stirring people's hearts, let no one think that because what they long to do has not been mentioned that you're not aware. You put that burden on their heart. You put that desire in their soul. Spirit of God, reveal Jesus Christ and his perfect love through every member of this congregation, actively, faithfully, joyfully, eagerly, consistently, serving with word and deed. Give Keith and the others in the pastoral team wisdom to know how to instruct and to teach. Lord, give covenant group leaders. Lord, bless the covenant group leaders, the precious gifts that they are. They have jobs, they have responsibilities, and yet you have called them and given them a heart to gather folks to apply the word of God and experience the grace of God. Lord, bless them with faith to lead in this area, to take steps of faith in this area, to make room in their covenant group meetings for the Spirit of God to move. Lord, our prayer is that you would receive much glory, that this church would experience much grace, that the lost would experience truth, and that people would be flooding into this building souls that have been touched by the love of God revealed through somebody just a gesture, a deed, a gift. And that, Lord, this church would only shine brighter in this community. The salt would even be saltier. The light would even be brighter. That you would be glorified. Jesus would be exalted. The gospel would go forth here and beyond. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Let, let me ask you guys if you'd do this. Uh, I want us to pray for, for Gary and Betsy. So if you guys will sit down, and I'm going to have them stand up now. And maybe Peter and Jean, Gina, and maybe Jeff and Kathy, if you guys would come over and just lay hands on them. To varying degrees, all of us here would be aware that we have family of churches that we walk with in Sovereign Grace Ministries, and you would know that the last several months have been months of challenge, months of uh, conflicting situations, people with a variety of opinions and views, and uh, situations that have not been easy to unravel as to how to best serve everybody who's been involved. Some have been offended, some, some not. It's been a challenging season, and sometimes ideas are easy just to sort of just throw an idea out there and say, hey, where are you with this idea? Well, I think this, and then I think that. And what gets lost in the midst of that is there are people associated with these difficulties. And they're people just like you and me. They're people who have stepped in through the years, have sought to serve, and along the way did some incredible things, and maybe along the way did some things that would need to be adjusted. Um, but, but they're people. They're just people. They're people like Gary and Betsy. And in the midst of this, let's not lose sight of these people that we love. There's going to be situations where we're going to agree and disagree, and we're going to agree to disagree. But when you step back and you remember these are people that we love, and so here's a couple. Let me just tell you where these guys are at right now. Here's a 65-year-old man, married to a much younger woman, by the way, uh, who has lived his entire life 
in the Washington, D.C. area. They grew up there. That's home for them. They have four adult children who live in the eastern seaboard area, most of them there in the D.C. area. And uh, in, in, for a new number of reasons, uh, the Sovereign Grace headquarters is relocating to Louisville, Kentucky. From my brief conversations with Gary, it doesn't sound like he was anticipating being 65 years old, picking up life and moving to all places to Louisville. Yes, Louisville, Kentucky. But that's where they're headed, to start life again. New church, new setting, developing new relationships, learning new street names and where's the Walmart, etc. And moving away from family moving away from three grandkids. And then their own kids are going through a season of change and, and needs in their lives. You know, stuff that a lot of you guys have walked through with your families. That we've, we've loved and prayed together. All right, well, these guys, are just, they're just like us, and this is a challenging season for them. So let, let's join our hearts together with these that we love and, and ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Lord, thank you that we can recount years of blessing, years of friendship, years of grace flowing into our lives through this couple. Lord, some who just met them for the first time are realizing I've, I've been receiving from these guys for years in a variety of ways. And so, Lord, this, this family has been a blessing to our family. And Lord, we give you thanks for that. And, and they are facing a unique season with multiple needs. Lord, it was a busy, busy time for them to get away and even be here, Lord, selling a house and preparing to move and searching for a new place. Lord, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of opportunities for fear. There's a lot of opportunities for unbelief and concerns, emotions. Ah, uh, Lord. So we stand, Lord, with many voices standing before your throne of grace to say, Lord, let the days ahead be full of faith from you. We pray for an impartation of faith by your spirit to well up in their hearts, uniquely given to them for the specific days ahead as they face their children, as they face their grandchildren, as they look at new decisions, as they close doors and walk towards new ones. God, by your spirit, let them have a sense of your nearness. God, because in days like this, we want to be able to say, it was your nearness that was our good, Lord. We had a thousand questions. We had a bunch of things we didn't know how they would turn out. But your nearness was our good. So, Lord, this morning we, we join them, commit our hearts to them for days ahead to pray that your nearness will be their good and your grace will be sufficient for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week.